With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Gaslight Collective proudly presents Prog Watch. Music that tells a story. With your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick. A.K.A. Prog Squatch. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Prague Watch, my friends. Big Tony here, and boy, do I have a show for you this week. I've been very excited this season to have a slew of great guests on the show, including Kevin Godley, Royna Stolt, Rob Reed, Neil Morris, Aryan Lucasen, and Jordan Rudis. And no offense to any of those guys, because I was honored to have all of them take the time to chat with me. But today's guest has me the most excited I've been yet. That's because I have been listening to his music for the better part of my life, and his main band, the Moody Blues, is the band that I have seen live more times than any other, with Jethro Tull and Yes running close behind for those keeping score at home. Anyway, today I am proud to tell you that singer, bassist, and composer John Lodge of the Moody Blues will be a guest on this program. Before we get things started, I'd like to send out my thanks to Billy, Julian, and John's daughter, Emily, for helping to set this up. Before we get to the chat, let's set the mood to a nice shade of moody blue, if you will. We'll start the program with Evening Time to Get Away, a John Lodge composition from Days of Future Past, the album that put the Moody's firmly on the symphonic progressive path. By the way, that album is officially 50 years old this month.
evening time to get away by the moody blues from their classic days of future past album in 1967 a little side note to you guys every song we are going to hear on this program was penned by or at least co-written by john lodge the man of the hour or the hour and a half i guess next let's hear another great moody blues tune this one from to our children's children's children in 1969 this is candle of life
Candle of Life by the Moody Blues from our Children's Children's Children in 1969. Let's do one more before we get into the interview. This is from John's first solo album, Natural Avenue, in 1977, and it is called Say You Love Me. See 
darkness from above. If I could touch your love, I would need these eyes. I would need to see. Say You Love Me by John Lodge from his Natural Avenue album in 1977. Now let's get into my chat with the man himself. Hi, Charlie. Hello, John. Yeah, how are you? I'm great. Boy, I have to tell you, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you take the time to talk to me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work with the Moody Blues, the Blue Jays, and even you know, all your solo stuff. I just love it. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thank you. Yeah, it's a real honor. So uh, I know you're a busy guy. And, uh, you know, so I won't, I won't take up a lot of your time here, but, uh, before we get into more current things, I was hoping to talk a little bit about the early days of the Moody Blues, the band. Yeah. Okay. The band were already established and it had a hit with go now, uh, when you and Justin came into the picture, as I understand it, you had known Ray Thomas since your school days. So was it Ray who recommended you to the band? Well, uh, I met Ray when I was 14 and we started a, a band together Ray was older than me. I think Ray was like 16, and uh, we became friends. Uh, and I'd learned a few things on guitar, uh, and he knew a few vocals. And we put a band together, and we eventually called ourselves Al Riot and the Rebels, can you believe? Okay. And um, we were together about three or four years, you know, through our, through our teenage girls and everything else. Uh, and uh, sometime during that period, as well, Mike Pinder 
play keyboards for us as well. And um, but I was a college, I was a college uh, doing um, engine, studying engineering because when I was growing up, I wanted to be a car designer, and um, I'd got uh, a year to go at college, uh, and Ray and Mike were going down to, to London uh, with the uh, Moody Blues, and uh, I was still at college, so I continued at college, and um, I got a, then the Moody Blues, of course, made uh, Go Now, which is a fabulous song, Bessie Banks song, they made a fantastic record of that, mm -hmm. and and uh, it was a big hit. Uh, and then during the following year, um, it, it didn't seem to continue for the Moody Blues. It sort of uh, really slowed up. And then um, I got a call one day from Ray saying to me, have you finished college yet? I said, yeah, I've just finished. He said, oh, can you get down to London? Because uh, he actually said, I want to get the old band back together again basically, and then he said he, uh, they'd met someone called Justin Hayward, and he said, I would really like him, and that was it, so I went down to London, and um, we just started again. <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you have an engineering degree, that's interesting, I did not know that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I'm, you know, I'm from Birmingham, Birmingham, big engineering, you know, it was called Second, Mo Second uh, Motown, you know. Uh, because we made all the cars here. Well, we still do in Birmingham, of course. You know, Jaguar and uh, Range Rover and all the Austin, Austin Healy's. And um, it was a big, big engineering uh, place, Birmingham. And it was really interesting because Birmingham was a yin and yang place because you had all these heavy engineering, uh, but also you had one of the greatest uh, orchestras in the world, the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. So there's a lot of music in the town uh, and a lot of heavy engineering. But, you know, since I was seven years of age, uh, I fell in love with my motor cars. Uh, not the engineering side of it, but just cars in general, the design uh, and everything about a car, you know. And um, so as I was growing up, I really wanted to be uh, involved with car design. Uh, but music took over. Really? <laughs> Yeah, my listeners would probably find it interesting to know that I also have an engineering degree. Um, not in not in anything like that. I was an industrial engineer, but uh, yeah, now I work in uh, home brewing and winemaking. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, the vice president of a small company that uh, runs a couple of stores here in Pittsburgh, which was another industrial town back in the day. Whenever I was growing up. It's probably pretty similar to Birmingham, or maybe more similar to Sheffield. I think I think Sheffield was more steel industry, huh? Yeah, but, yeah, it was. But I mean, you know, let's be honest. I go to a restaurant in America. They say, "Hey, do you want your steak?" And I'll say, "Pittsburgh, please." All right, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, there, there's obviously a big difference between the sound of the band before you and Justin arrived, and then after. And obviously, the mid '60s were very heady days of experimentation in music. But I've often been curious about how the band embarked on the new direction. Did you guys like have a meeting and decide to go more symphonic and progressive, or did the making of Days of Future Past just kind of put you on that path? Well, um, when we got back, to, when Ray, when I joined with Ray, Mike, and Graham, and Justin, um, we. we 
they still thought at that point we should all wear the same clothes, you know, the same suits and everything else. And we did that for about three months. And, you know, um, we were playing uh, songs from, from my point of view. We were playing songs from America. They do, do cover versions of everything. And, um, uh, and I, it wasn't what I really wanted to do. And I knew it wasn't what Justin wanted to do. And I think there was a change in the rest of the guys in the Moody's. And we just said one day, uh, Mike had written a couple of songs which he played me. One of them was Really Haven't Got the Time, which I recorded, actually. And I really liked that song, uh, sort of rock and roll boogie yeah. uh, piano playing. And, um, I, you know, for me, I thought, this is the way we've got to go. We've got to uh, write our own music and get rid of these stage clothes and just go out and, you know, whatever you fancy, you know, a pair of jeans or whatever, you know, and T-shirts and just play your music. And we had a meeting about it and said, listen, we don't want to go the same way as all these other pop bands because, you know, there were pop bands in England at that time. They were called that. We need to travel our own road. We need to find our own music, find our own style. We've we've played all these cover versions all our lives, you know. I know we were only like 20, but I've been playing cover versions for five years. And, uh, you know, it was like I was playing songs from Memphis. I'd never even been to America. So how on earth I could actually interpret a song uh, except by being a copy? And... Uh, it wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do, and I don't think it was what any of us wanted to do. So we decided to go to a little village, actually, in Belgium called Mucron. Uh, M-O-U-S-C-R-O-N. Yeah, Mucron. And um, we spent a few months there writing a stage show, which would be all our own music. So at that time, we were doing two 45-minute sets, uh, and so we did the first 45 minutes was still the cover versions of songs. But the second 45 minutes was all our own music. And uh, we suddenly realized that uh, the audience were enjoying our own music more than the cover versions. And that led us to recording Days of Future Past. You know, the one thing led to the other, to be honest. Don't go anywhere. Prague Watch will be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's hear some more music before we continue on with my interview with John Lodge. This is a classic John Lodge tune from the Moody Blues 1983 album, The Present. 
and it is called Sitting at the Wheel.
I clearly remember listening to that one on the radio when I was back in high school. It was a big hit on both sides of the Atlantic. Sitting at the wheel from the Moody Blues album The Present, released in 1983. Now let's check out one from a few years earlier. This one comes from the Blue Jays Project, which was of course Justin Hayward and John Lodge collaborating as a duo in 1975. This is Saved by the Music.
That was Saved by the Music by Hayward and Lodge, a.k.a. Blue Jays, from the album of the same name in 1975. Now let's hear some more of my chat with the legendary John Lodge. In addition to your versatile voice, I've also greatly admired your bass playing. You can really move a song along like uh, It's Up to You or I'm Just a Singer in a Rock and Roll Band or you can lay back and you know just stay in the pocket when that's what's required. Can you tell us who were some of your early bass playing influences and who are some players whom you have admired over the years? Okay, well, um, it's really strange because um, there were no electric basses at all in England when I was growing up. You know, I was 14 and 15. Uh, they just did not exist. I didn't even know what electric bass was. You know, what I did know is that the double bass was not what I wanted to play. It wasn't, for me, it wasn't my rock and roll. I know it's rockabilly and everything else, but mm-hmm. it wasn't what I was. And um, uh, and I I was fascinated by all of the left piano playing of all the guys from, uh, uh, you know, Memphis, Fats Domino, and uh, the Delta, and Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, all this boogie on the left-hand side. And it was absolutely fascinating me. And uh, I always remember, I don't know how old I was, probably 13, when I heard uh, Lucille by Little Richard, the riff. I mean, that has got to be one of the most iconic riffs in the world. And I remember learning to play that on guitar, on the bottom strings. And uh, I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to play those bottom strings. How can I do it? And then I saw, at the same time, uh, a movie, uh, which is the iconic rock and roll movie, The Girl Can't Help It, and um, with Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran and everyone. Mm-hmm. But there was a band there called the Treniers, and they came to England on tour, and I went to see them, and I saw this guy in the band playing a white, what looked like a Stratocaster, and I knew it wasn't because he only had four strings. And I realized he was playing a, a bass. And that was the first time really I've ever seen electric bass being played live. And that was it. I was taken aback. And um, uh, and then I saw my record, uh, my uh, music store that I went to every Saturday morning, like all body musicians do, you know, Saturday mornings trying to pick up a guitar that you can't afford um, <laughs> or a bass. You know, and then in the window, it said direct from America, and there was uh, this precision bass, and that was it. That was that was it. I just had to have my Fender precision mm-hmm. bass, which I've and I've recorded nearly every Moody Blue song with it, and I um, and that was it. So then I started to try and find out how to best to play that, uh, and at the same time, really, it was. Tabla Motown and Jamie Jameson and I was listening to all these bass parts and I thought you know he's driving all those songs on his own he doesn't need the orchestra or the drummer uh, he could what he's playing actually drive, is the song mm-hmm. and, and and to me I thought that was it Jamie Jameson and then of course as time went by you know the Beach Boys and Carol Kay and uh, the Wrecking Crew, and people like that. And I was just listening to bass parts from anywhere, uh, trying to find out 
what they were doing, how the bass worked, uh, how it accompanied the song. And I didn't want the, my bass playing to just accompany the song by just being the bottom note of a chord. That didn't, that didn't interest me at all. What was interesting to me is, is forget about the roots. What, what other notes could you play that will drive the song along, you know? And so I experimented finding, uh, uh, you know, notes and, and uh, bass sequences uh, that would go with the chord pattern. And um, I think it, it came as well from my, I, I'm intrigued by cellos. And, um, you know, so my bass playing really is a cross between uh, cello and pizzicato type of thing and bass. And I think that Jamie Jamieson was the same, really. Um, you know, it just drives the song along, you know. And uh, that's what I really like about bass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love cellos myself. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So uh, I actually... I, I recorded cello. I, I'm not a cellist at all. I just learned my way around it. I was going to say uh, that. You did some on, uh, what was it, To Our Children's Children, maybe? Or was it on uh, Every Good Boy Deserves Favor? I, I did. Uh, I played on Ride My Seesaw. You know, that the, the, that part. Okay. Uh, I did that with, with, by putting the cello with the Mellotron, it just gave the edge to the Mellotron. Yeah, because the Mellotron was great giving the sound, but having the cello, real live cello underneath, just gave you that edge, you know, the, the cutting part. And um, and Question of Balance, I played on Question of Balance, you know, I played on the poem on that. Um, I can't remember, but I bought a cello and I had it inlaid um, uh, with frets, but not frets that rose above the uh, neck, right. but just so I knew where the notes were. The markings, uh, yeah. I've still got that cello now. It's great. It, it plays really nice. I have a fretless bass like that. It has uh, it has the lines, but no no wires there, so you kind of know where you have to be. Yeah, it's a great. It's, it's great, you know. It, it takes the guessing out of it, but you know, um, but you suddenly realise when you're playing it, you know where it is anyway, really. Ah, not me. I'm not that good. <laughs> Let's break here for a few more songs. First, another John Lodge classic recorded by the Moody Blues for their 1972 release, Seventh Sojourn. This is I'm Just a Singer in a Rock and Roll Band.
just the singer in a rock and roll band, Mr. John Lodge, taking the lead on his classic composition for the 1972 Moody Blues album, Seventh Sojourn. Next up, let's fast forward to 2015 in John's second solo album called 10,000 Light Years Ago. This is the opening track, In My Mind.
My Mind by John Lodge from his most recent solo studio album, 10,000 Light Years Ago, in 2015. Now let's dip back for one more classic moody blues tune before we hear the remainder of my interview. This is Minstrel Song from A Question of Balance in 1970.
Minstrel's Song by John Lodge, performed by the Moody Blues for their 1970 album, A Question of Balance. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now on to the rest of the interview. You came out with your first solo album, Natural Avenue, in 1977, and then it took you nearly 40 years until you did 10,000 Light Years Ago. Was there any particular reason, aside from you just channeling all your energy into the band, or you know, you just didn't have the urge, or what was up? I, I, I think I was channeling all my energy into the Moody Blues. You know, I am a Moody Blue and always will be. Uh, but um, I was channeling my energies into the Moody's, and uh, I didn't really want anything to come out of the way, get in the way, you know. Uh, after rec- after recording Natural Avenue, went in the studio and we recorded Octave, uh, and then we recorded Long Distance Voyager. And every time I thought about uh, recording something, um, something else came up, you know, and another Moody Blue project, or and so I was really committed to that. Uh, I did release a single in the late 70s, early 80s called Street Cafe. Uh, and on the back was a song I actually writ- I'd written for uh, Elvis Presley called Threw It All Away. And uh, uh, as time went by, um, you know, record companies sort of drifted away and the music people drifted away. And uh, I think in the last 10 years, you know, the record industry has changed so much. There doesn't seem to be the music people, people who are real music men uh, who are around. And um, everybody's got state-of-the-art studios, and you spend hours in the state-of-the-art studios or people are just spending hours doing state-of-the-art studio right. but not creating, from my point of view, not creating. And uh, I... I really wanted to get in the studio. I'd written this song called 10,000 Light Years Ago. And I really wanted to get in the studio uh, and record. But I didn't want to go to record as I'd done in the past, you know, with everybody sitting in the studio for days on end, waiting for people to get inspiration or inspired or whatever. And um, I, I, I knew who I wanted to work with making the album. And... I realized they'd all got their own studios. And I thought, I'm going to try something different here. I'm going to write the songs uh, and then put them on, you know, a map, you know, uh, put the file together and then send it to my, uh, Alan Hewitt, who's my keyboard guy and my musical director, really. Uh, send them to Alan. He can put the file completely together and then I would send it to the drummer, and he would go in his studio, and I'd go and see him there. And then he'd put the drums on. Then I'd listen to everything in my studio and say, yeah, I like that, change that. Uh, can we do something different there? Until we got the, the drum pattern exactly how we wanted the feel. 
And then I sent it to Chris Spedding. And uh, Chris is a guitarist mm -hmm. who played on Natural Avenue for me as well. And uh, I said to Chris, you know, uh, when you've got time, you know, I'd like you to you know, play guitar on this album. And that's what he did. He, when, he, when he was ready, he created his guitar parts. And eventually I ended up with all these files at my studio. And then I booked a studio in Naples in Florida called the uh, Music Factory there. And I went in there for two weeks and put all the bass parts on, did all the vocals and put the acoustic guitars on and um, made the album that way. And I, I, I incorporated digital recording and analog recording because I really wanted uh, the recording to be on vinyl. I wanted it 180 gram vinyl. So for me, the sandwich is great on vinyl. And that was it, really. That's uh, so how I made the album. And I was really excited about making the album that way because for me, it felt like everyone was creative when they were ready to create. And, uh, you know, when you go into modern studios, for me nowadays, um, you go in there and there's people drinking coffee and there's lawyers calling and accountants <laughs> calling and secretary. And it's not like it was, you know. It, yeah. uh, I love recording during the night when there's no one around except the band. And we could really get on with working. But um, nowadays, it, for me, it just doesn't seem to work. And uh, But I found this way and I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Great. Uh, you also had, uh, didn't Ray Thomas and Mike Pinder uh, do some spots on, on 10,000 Light Years? Yeah, well, this was this was a great way of recording, you see, because I went to Ray and I a song called Simply Magic. Uh, and when I, when I put in the acoustic, when I was playing the acoustic parts at my house, in my studio, I suddenly thought, oh, this is a perfect song for Ray to play flute on. So I went round to Ray's house because he lives near me and we're still great buddies. And I said, Ray, I've written this song. I really would like you to come and play flute on it. And so we rehearsed it in his house, in his home. And then I booked a studio. And Ray and I went in the studio for a couple of days, had a great time, and recorded all Ray's parts. And then while we were recording that, Ray said, what about Mike? So... I rang Mike up, and this was a great thing about having files. I said, Mike's got his own studio. And I said, Mike, I'll send you the files. Could you play Mellotron on? He said, yeah, of course. And so I sent the files to Mike. Mike put the Mellotron on, and uh, then he came back to me and Alan, and we put it all together. So how are those guys doing, uh, Ray especially? I'm a big fan of Ray. Uh, I know he kind of quit the band for health reasons. Yeah. Yeah, Ray's, you know, Ray's Ray is my friend. He, we always have a laugh, we, you know, we send each other birthday cards and Christmas cards and uh, see each other quite regularly. But, you know, it, it, Ray's unfortunately had poor health for, you know, 15 years. And um, so he's still playing his flute, which is great. Uh, and he's still got an incredible smile. So how about that? Great. Is there any uh, moody blues music in the future? Any new new music going to be done, you think, uh, another album? Well, I don't know because, um, you know, it's the 50th anniversary of Days of Future Past right now. Mm -hmm. This and, month? 
Yeah, we just did 30 cities in America. Uh, we did um, the LA Bowl with the LA Philharmonic. And um, we went up to Toronto for two days in the Sony Theatre there. And we recorded a new version of Days of Future Past with the orchestra. So at the moment, we're just mixing that, putting all the artwork together. And that will be released you know, around about Christmas time. And then we're back in America on tour with the Moody's in um, in January. So that's sort of what the Moody's are doing at the moment, you know. And in between that, of course, I'm releasing, uh, you know, my live from Birmingham. Right. I wanted to get around to talking about all that. Um, so, yes. A lot going on. Yeah, you're in the midst of your first ever solo tour, and you're playing moody blues tunes and blue jays and lots of your great solo material. And you recorded a live album recently in Birmingham, correct? And that's going to be out next month? Yeah, October, end of October, it's coming. We've got, um, it's a little box set, really. We've got the, the, the CD in there, uh, uh, DVD. Uh, we've got uh, also a double vinyl album, uh, red vinyl. I'm really pleased about, and I've got Roger. Roger Dean has uh, created all the artwork for me. Great, uh, Roger's Roger's done a fantastic job. The artwork is fabulous. I love it as always. Uh, I love what Roger does anyway. You know, right. so because uh, he did Natural Avenue for me anyway. Right, and I Rock Rock Cruise the beginning of this year down to uh, Mexico, and Roger was on there, and I said, Roger, I've just made this album. You've got to do the artwork. So he's, he's done the artwork. And um, I re the, my last concert in England was in Birmingham. And I said to uh, the agent, uh, for the last concert, I want to be in Birmingham. That's where I started at Birmingham Town Hall. Uh, Birmingham Town Hall was, you know, for us, it was an iconic place to come and see all, uh, you know, American icons, to be honest. I mean, I saw everyone there, you know, uh, <clears throat> going from the rock and roll days of Little Richard and uh, Billy Preston, uh, Gene Vincent, um, Eddie Cochran. Uh, but I saw Buddy Holly there live, and Buddy Holly was my wow. absolute. He was my absolute inspiration. Yeah, and um, it was wonderful. I, I tell this little story. It was I was on I'm on stage at Birmingham Town Hall, looking up in the circle. And, uh, you know, like, when I was, there was Johnny Lodge, who was 12 years of age, probably, looking down at Buddy Ollie on that same stage. And uh, it was quite, quite emotional for me, to be honest. And uh, he was great. So I wanted to record that show, which I did do, uh, for a DVD and the CD and the vinyl album. And now I'll, I'll be in touch with Julian from Pledge Music to make sure we have links for all that stuff when I put this show on my website, progwatch.com. So uh, you also have a bunch of uh, U.S. dates coming up in the northeastern U.S. anyway, right? Yeah, I am, yeah. Start at the um, start in uh, Washington and uh, work my way through all through the new, you know, uh, all through to... Um, uh, and up in New York uh, at the winery in New York, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a 12 dates, I think, and so it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, of course, obviously, if it all goes well and everyone accepts what I'm doing, 
it'd be great to get back on the road and do more concerts. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is your first time solo in America, right? It is, except I did the prog, what you know, the prog cruise down to Mexico. But it's the first first solo tour, you know, first one going down to riff different venues. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it sounds great. Again, I'll make sure I put some information. This show will be posted in a timely manner so that uh, if people are interested, hopefully they'll find you and come see you if they live nearby. Um, uh, yeah, I know you're a busy guy, and I really appreciate you taking the time. So was there anything else that you really wanted to talk about? No, it sounds great. You, you cornered it all there. It's really Yeah, a little old, little new, you know. <laughs> I wanted to... Uh, I had to ask a few questions about the old days, but I want to make sure we uh, let everyone know what's going on with you now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important, you know, because it's who I am. It's where I came from. That's what 10,000 light years ago is about, you know. You know, the, the past has gone forever, but the future is always in reach. But you have to know how you got to this place in the first place. Right. Like I said, I know you're a busy guy, and I really appreciate you know, I can't believe it. I started this show like four years ago, and if anyone would have told me then that, you know, I'm sitting in a little bedroom in my house in a suburb of Pittsburgh, you know, and I started this little show, you know, and it's just amazing what you can do on the Internet these days because you can connect with so many people around the world. You know, if anyone had ever said to me, you'll talk to John Lodge someday, I'd be like, get out. No way. It will never happen. You know, and here I just did it. I'm, this is like a highlight for me, man, really. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. You, you just take care of the wine industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you're a fan of, you like wine, right? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. You had uh, some, uh, a special vintage put out, I believe, at one point, didn't you? Oh, we've got, we got our own wine company uh, huh? called Chrisima. Uh, my my daughter runs at Emily. My daughter, daughter runs the, all of the John Lodge thing anyway. And, um, yeah, we've got a wine from Napa, a wine from Bordeaux in France, and we've just won uh, the gold trophy for the best Chardonnay out of Africa. Fantastic. So yeah, so it, it, that's a lot of fun, lots of fun. All right, well, great. I'm going to let you go because, uh, like I said, I know you're a busy man, but I do appreciate it so much, and it was a real pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Thank you, Tony. All the best to you. All right, to you too, John. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my chat with John Lodge. What a thrill and honor it was to talk to him. As I always say, look to my website, progwatch.com, P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H.com. Progwatch is all one word there. For links to find more information about John's Pledge Music campaign, his forthcoming live album, and his tour dates in the northeastern U.S. Let's close things out with a couple of new ones from the forthcoming live album and one more classic. First, this is a live version of the song 10,000 Light Years Ago.
10,000 light years ago from the forthcoming John Lodge live album, Live from Birmingham, the 10,000 light years tour. This next song will also be included on the album. It's John's own version of the Moody Blues classic, Ride My Seesaw.
Ride My Seesaw from the forthcoming John Lodge album, Live from Birmingham, the 10,000 Light Years Tour. We have just about enough time for one more, so I will send this one out to John's daughter Emily, who does a lot of his PR and was instrumental in setting this up. It's a lovely little tune her daddy wrote for her, which was included on the 1971 Moody Blues album, Every Good Boy Deserves Favor. This is Emily's song. Standing 
How cool it must be to have a classic song written for you by a legend like John Lodge. That was Emily's song from the Moody Blues Every Good Boy Deserves Favor album in 1971. So I hope you enjoyed the program. Until next time, be good to each other. And prog on, brothers and sisters. <laughs>